Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Idiot Book Nook. My name is Blazewing, my pronouns are she, her, and they, them. I am the Reading Dragon, my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lady Punnett, my pronouns are primarily she, her, sometimes they, them. It's a smudger! That's a great intro. I love it. Oh, boy. If, We're off to a great start, ladies. Uh, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so uh, by finding Lady Punnett at linktr.ee slash paulina.avalon. You can find The Reading Dragon at linktr.ee slash The Reading Dragon, and you can find me at linktr.ee slash blazewing2010. If you would like to follow along with our podcast feed, see where we've been, and or leave us a voice message that we can play for a viewer feedback episode, you can do so at anchor.fm slash idiot-book-nook, and if you'd like to take a look at our website, that's idiotbooknook.wordpress.com. <sighs> Welcome to episode 25 of the Idiot Book Nook and chapter 10 of the Amulet of Samarkand, the first book in the Bartimaeus trilogy. We are three ADHD-addled brains trying to keep on track and talk about things that are book-related without going off on side tangents, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Like now. Like right now, and we're going to see how that works, as Lady Punnett is apparently coloring her finger with a marker. Awesome! I found my pencil case! I haven't seen yeah. it in eight months. ADHD at its <laughs> finest, folks. <sighs> I have to go. I'm gonna have to go through it. For those of you that yes. are listening oh, to podcast, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bobbin. God damn it! For those of you <laughs> that are listening to the <laughs> podcast and can't see this, Lady Putted is like all over the place and digging through bags and pencil cases she, and makeup bags. She's and... she's following the dopamine. The yep. dopamine. The dopamine, she's following the dopamine wherever it may go. You're not wrong. So, with that being said, I believe we have a chapter 10 to get onto. Yes. Narrator. Actually, before we get onto that, we have footnotes this chapter. So, Lady Punnett, once we get to the footnote, you can take the first one and then we'll alternate. Okay. Awesome. I found paper. What is this? Okay. Are we good? You good? <gasps> it's a dragon. The dragon. It is a dragon. <gasps> it's so cute with his little button shield and little like a uh, uh, pit uh, thimble woman, bucket. Your thimble. It's a thimble helmet. Yes. I thought it was a bucket. It's. I, I wanted to make a children's book series based off of the fact everyone had these little dragons and this one was owned by a little old seamstress. But the dragon wanted to be a knight, but he was too tiny to be a knight. So instead, he wears these and he protects the fabric from moths and mice. And I think... Yeah, I have I have him here. Can you, so, can you throw that in, in the Discord? Yes. Please. But I have I have him like carrying stuff, and that's him making his stuff. And this is him he said, "Prepare yourself, Vernon," and he's fighting a mouse. Oh, oh, oh that's so cute! Please post that and then make a note of that in our chat. And like, if you are interested in like revisiting that, we can I, work I, on I, that. I actually, I've always wanted to write a children's book kind of based off of this idea, and it would always, like, 
have like these different types of things like sometimes you have to do uh certain actions your way or sometimes oh. you're not fit for the job so you have to find other ways to do it or sometimes it's okay to follow tradition but to do your own path so you do realize that you are a co-host with two writers here right yes we can we but can... i forgot this existed and we can we can do writing yeah yay so with that being said are we good i gotta put this somewhere safe mickey minnie keep a hold of this <laughs> are we good oh right we're doing something we're doing something right okay yes. <laughs> narrator take it away <laughs> oh god oh boy Great start. Great start to this chapter. All right. I love you guys. Don't, don't forget. All right. Footnotes come at the end of the paragraph, not at the end of the sentence. Yep. Chapter 10. Bartimaeus. In the end, dawn came. The first grudging rays flickered in the eastern sky. A halo of light slowly emerged over the Docklands horizon. I cheered it on. I couldn't... It, mm. It couldn't come fast enough. The whole night had been a wearisome and often humiliating business. I had repeatedly lurked, loitered, and fled, in that order, through half the postal districts of London. I had been manhandled by a thirteen-year-old girl. I had taken shelter in a bin. And now, to cap it all, I was crouching on the roof of Westminster Abbey, pretending to be gargoyle. Things don't get much worse than that. A rising shaft of sunlight caught the edge of the amulet, which was suspended around my lichen-covered neck. It flashed bright as glass. Automatically, I raised a claw to cup it, just in case sharp eyes were on the lookout. But I wasn't too worried by then. I had remained in that bin in the alley for a couple of hours, Long enough to rest and become thoroughly ingrained with the odor of rotting vegetables, then I'd had the bright idea of taking up stony residence on the abbey. I was protected there by the fusion of magical ornaments within the building. They masked the amulet's signal. From my new vantage point, I'd seen a few spheres in the distance, but none of them came here. At last, the night had ebbed away, and the magicians had become wary. The spheres in the sky winked out. The heat was off. Many great magicians of the 19th and 20th century were entombed at Westminster Abbey after, and no one, and on one or two occasions shortly before, their death. Almost all took at least one powerful artifact with them to their grave. This was little more than a self-conscious flaunting of their wealth and power and a complete waste of the object in question. It was also a way of spitefully denying their successor any chance of inheriting the object. Other mages were justly wary of retrieving the grave goods for fear of supernatural reprisal. <laughs> Yeah, weirder things have happened. Yeah. Like finding a hammer As, in your room. Yes. As the sun rose, I waited impatiently for the expected sins. 
The boy had said he would call me at dawn, but he was no doubt sleeping in like the layabout adolescent he was. In the meantime, I ordered my thoughts. One thing that was crystal clear was that the boy was a pasty pansy. Was that the was that the boy was the patsy of an adult magician, some shadowy influence who sought to deflect blame for the theft onto the kid. It was it wasn't hard this. No child of his age would summon me for so great a task on his own. Presumably, the unknown magician wished to deal a blow to Lovelace and gain control over the amulet's powers. If so, he was risking everything. Judging by the sale of the hunt I had just evaded, several powerful people were greatly concerned by its loss. alone, Simon Lovelace was a formidable proposition. The fact that he was to employ and restrain both Farquarl uh, and Jabor proved as much. I did not relish the urchin's chances when the magician caught up with him. Then there was the girl, that non-magician whose friends withstood my magic saw through my illusions. Several centuries had gone by since I had last encountered humans of their sort, so to find them here in London was intriguing. Whether or not they understood the implications of their power was difficult to say. The girl didn't even seem to know exactly what the amulet was, only that it was a prize worth having. She certainly wasn't allied to love or the boy. Strange. I couldn't see where she fit into this all. Oh well. It wasn't going to be my problem. Sunlight hit the roof of the abbey. I allowed myself a short, luxurious flex of my wings. At that moment, the summons came. A thousand fishhooks seemed to ebb... Seems it seemed to ebb themselves in me. In bed. I was pulled. Oh, wait, okay. A thousand fish hooks seems to embed. Let me start over the sentence. God damn it! You're good. A, th- a thousand fish hooks seemed to embed themselves in me. I was pulled in several directions at once. Resisting too long risked tearing my essence. But I had no interest in delay. I wished to hand over the amulet and be done. With this eager hope in mind, I submitted to the summons, vanishing from the rooftop and appearing instantaneously in the child's room. I looked around. All right, what's this? I order you, Bartimaeus, to reveal whether you have diligently and wholly carried out your charge. Of course I have. What do you think this is? Costume jewelry? I pointed with my gargoyle's claw at the amulet dangling on my chest. It waved and winked in the shuddering in the shuddering light of the candles. The amulet of Samarkand. It was Simon Lovelace's. Now it is yours. Soon 
it will be Simon Lovelace's again. Take it and enjoy consequences. You're breaking up way was... too much. One moment, folks. Technical difficulties. So, my cats are shedding now. Because mm-hmm. it's springtime. Mm-hmm. And I'm not used to having medium-haired cats like Sir Nacho with his very, very fluffy tail. Mm-hmm. So, I have to give him good brushes. If I don't give him good brushes, he gets mats. And if he gets mats, I am accused of being a bad cat mom, which I am not. The issue is, he does not like being brushed. So I have to do this, basically, where it's like he's laying down, and he just tolerates it. So where did I start breaking up again? Start uh, start with, of course I have, what do you think this is? Costume jewelry? Of course I have. What do you think this is? Costume jewelry? I pointed with my gargoyle's claw at the amulet dangling on my chest. It waved and winked in the shuddering light of the candles. The amulet! Samarkand! It was Simon Lovelace's. Now it is yours. Soon it will be Simon Lovelace's again. Take it and enjoy the consequences. I was asking about this pentacle you've drawn here. What are these runes? This extra line. The kid puffed out his chest. Adelbrin's pentacle. If I didn't know better, I'd have sworn he smirked. An unseeming facial posture for one so young. Or an, an unseemly facial posture for one so young. Adelbrin's Pentacle. That meant trouble. I made a big show of checking the lines of the star and circle, looking for minute tricks or wiggles in the chalk. Then I perused the runes and symbols themselves. Aha! I roared. You've spelled this wrong, and you know what that means, don't you? I drew myself up. Like a cat ready to pounce. The kid's face went an interesting mix of white and red. His lower lip wobbled. His eyes bulged from their sockets. He looked very much like he wanted to run for it, but he didn't. So my plan was foiled. Hastily, he scanned the letters on the floor. If a magician leaves his circle during a summons, his power over uh, his power over his victim is broken. I was hoping I would thus be able to leave. Incidentally, it would also have left me free to step out of my own pentacle and nail him. Re- uh, recreant, uh, recreant demon, the pentacle is sound. It binds you still. Okay, so I lied. I reduced eyes, my stone wings folded back under my hump. Do you want this amulet or not? Place it in the vessel. A small soapstone bowl 
sat on the floor midway between the outermost arc of the two circles. I removed the amulet with a certain amount of inner relief, tossed it casually into the bowl. The boy went toward it. Out of the corner of my eyes, I watched him closely. One foot, one finger, fell outside of this fell outside of his circle. I feel on him faster than a praying mantis. But the kid was wise to this. He produced a stick from the pocket of his tatty coat. Jammed to the tip was a hooked piece of wire that looked suspiciously like a twisted paperclip. With a couple of cautious prods and jerks, he caught the lip of the bowl with the hook and drew it into his circle. Then he picked up the amulet's chain, wrinkling his nose as he did so. Ugh, this is disgusting. Nothing to do with me. Blame Rotherite, sewage works. No, on second thought, blame it yourself. I've spent the whole night trying to evade capture on your account. You're lucky I didn't immerse myself completely. You were pursued? He sounded almost eager. Wrong emotion, kid. I fear. By half the demonic hordes of London, I rolled my stony eyes and crushed my horny beak. Make no mistake about it, boy. They are coming here, yellow-eyed and ravening, ready to seize you. You will be helpless against their power. You have only one chance only. You have one chance only. Release me from this circle, and I will help you evade their clutches. Yep, by destroying him myself before they got there. Do you take me for a fool? The act in your hands answers that. Well, no matter. I have carried out my charge. My task is done. For the remainder of your short life, farewell. My form disappeared, began to fade. A rippling parlor of stone chewed from the floor, as if to swallow me and spirit me away. It was wishful thinking. Brad Pentacle would see to that. You cannot depart. I have other work. For thee. More than the renewed captivity, it was these occasional archasms that annoyed me so much. Three, mm, the recreant demon. Mm, mm, the recreant demon, I ask you. No one used language like that anymore, and hadn't for two years. Anyone would think he had learned the, his trade entirely out of some old book. But extraneous these or not, he was quite right. 
most ordinary pentacles bind you to one service only. Carry it out, and you are free to go. If magician requires you again, he must repeat the whole draining rigmarole of summoning from the beginning. But Aldebrand's pentacle countermanded this. Its ex signs and incantations double-locked the door and forced you to remain for further orders. It was a complex, magical formula that required adult stamina and concentration, and this gave me ammunition for my next attack. I allowed the steam to ebb away. So where is he, then? The boy was busy turning the amulet over and over in his pale hands. He looked up absently. Where is who? The boss, your master, the eminence, the eminence, the power behind the throne, the man who has put you up to this little theft, who's told you what to say and what to draw, and who will still be standing unharmed in the shadows when Lovelace's gin are tossing your drag your ragged corpse around the London rooftops. He's playing some game that you know nothing of, appealing to your ignorance and youthful vanity. That stung him. His lips curled back a little. One moment. Am I cutting out again? Uh, hang on. That's your line. Oh. Me? Nope. Who? Uh, you? Reading Dragon. What did he say to you? I wonder. I adopted a patronizing... Oh. Let me read that again. What did he say to you? I wonder. I adopted a patronizing sing-song voice. Well done, young fellow. You're the best little magician I've seen in a long while. Tell me, would you like to raise a powerful genie? You would? Well, why don't we just do that? We can play a prank on someone to steal an amulet. The boy laughed. <laughs> Unexpected that. I was anticipating a furious outburst or some anxiety. But no, he laughed. He turned the amulet over a final time, then went and replaced it in the pot, also unexpected. Using the stick with the hook, pushed the pot back through the circle to its original position on the floor. What? are you doing? Giving it back. I don't want it. Pick it up. I wasn't about to get into a prissy exchange of insults with a twelve-year-old, particularly one who could impose his will on me. So I reached out, through my circle, and hefted the amulet. Now what? When Simon Lovelace comes, 
I won't be hanging on this, you know. I will be giving it right back to him with a smile and a wave, and pointing out which curtain you're shivering behind. Wait. The kid produced something shiny from one of the inner pockets of his voluminous coat. Did I mention that his coat was about three sizes too big for him? It had evidently once belonged to a very careless magician, since, although heavily packed, it still displayed the unmistakable ravages of fire, blood, and talon. <sighs> I wished the boy similar fortune. Now, he was holding in his left hand a polished disc, a scrying glass of highly polished bronze. He passed his right hand over it a few times and began to gaze into the reflective metal with passive concentration. Whatever captive imp dwelled within, the disc soon responded. A murky picture formed. The boy observed it closely. I was too far off to see, but while he was distracted, I did a bit of looking of my own. His room. I wanted a clue to his identity. Some letter addressed to him, perhaps. Or a name tag on his coat. Both of those worked before. It wasn't after... I wasn't after his birth name, of course. That would be too much to hope for. But his official name would do for a start. But I was out of luck. The most private, intimate, telltale place in the room, his desk, had been carefully covered with a thick black cloth. A wardrobe in the corner was shut. Ditto a chest of drawers. There was a glass vase with fresh flowers among the mess of candle. Not touch, this. He hadn't put it there himself, I reckoned. So somebody liked him. All magicians have two names, their official name and their birth name. The birth name is that given to them by their parents. And because it is intimately bound with their true nature and being, it is a source of great strength and weakness. They, see, uh, they seek to keep it secret from everyone. For if an enemy learns it, he or she can use it to gain power over them, rather in the same way that a magician can only summon a genie if, uh, if he knows their true name. Their true name. Magicians thus conceal their birth names with great care, replacing them with official names at the beginning, uh, at the time of their coming of age. It's always useful to know a magician's official name, but far, far better to learn his secret one. The kid waved his hand over the scrying glass, and the surface went dull. He replaced the disc in his pocket, then looked up at me suddenly. Uh-oh. Here it came. Bartimaeus! He began. I charge you to take the amulet of Samarkand and hide it in the magical repository of the magician Arthur Underwood, concealing it so that he cannot observe it and achieving this so stealthily that no one, either human or spirit, on this plane or any other, shall see you enter or depart. I further charge you to return to me immediately, silent and unseen, to await further instructions. He was blue in the face when he finished this, 
having completed it all in one breath, I glowered under my stony brows. Strictly advisable when dealing with subtle intellectual entities such as myself. It is often possible to interrupt a pause for breath as a full stop, which either changes the meaning of the instructions or turns them into gobbledygook. If we can misinterpret something to our advantage, we most certainly will. Very well. Where does this unfortunate magician reside? The boy smiled thinly. Downstairs. And thus this ends- This little motherfucker. Thus ends chapter 10. So I made a mistake last episode. Uh, I mentioned- We all did. Pardon? We all did. Yes. Uh, Baroness, Simon it's been a while. Lovelace, not Underwood. So right. I would however, like to rectify that. However, oh shit. <laughs> I forgot about this. What? He's trying to frame Lovelace. Yep. Oh boy. Oh dear. What has he done to piss him off so much? Uh... Many a thing. What hasn't he done? Okay, fair. <laughs> but and we're also going to find out on his eleventh birthday. Yeah. Um. But not with chapter eleven. Um. Chapter. There's 11, no chapter title with Lover Eleven. Nope. It continues with Bartimaeus. So what I'm getting here is that as the viewpoint shifts, whether that's over the course of one chapter or multiple chapters, when the viewpoint shifts is when we get a chapter title. Mm-hmm. It, it that chapter title will denote whose viewpoint, whose you basically whose eyes we're looking through, or whose vantage point mm-hmm. we're looking through. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. Whose perspective we're reading? Thank through. you. Words hard. Mm-hmm. So, do we have any notes? Any thoughts? No. Artemis is very annoyed at the situation. Absolutely, he just wants done. He just wants done with it. He doesn't want to be dealing with this shit. We did have his a... social battery is dead. Yeah, yep. he is not a social creature. That being said, we did manage to confirm at least one thing: when a hmm. magician summons a demon, or a uh, when a magician summons a demon, mm-hmm. they exert their will on the demon, mm-hmm. which means the magician's will has to be more powerful than the demon in order to drag them. Yeah. As Bartimaeus and, said, it felt like hooks were dragging him in all sorts of different uh, directions. Directions. Which means yeah. that a higher-powered demon, or a, a, a demon that's got a better will than the magician, could theoretically just swat it like a fly and ignore it altogether. Whereas a low, mm-hmm. a lower-willed demon wouldn't have quite so much luck. It would be unresi- uh, irresistible. That being said, Bartimaeus made particular notes around about the uh, summoning circles mm-hmm. and the protection circles mm-hmm. for someone to be able to do a summoning and utilize the runes, the sigils and the tools necessary to make it as solid as what uh, Nathaniel did. He Martinez note that it would take but you're then, breaking up oh, really bad. Okay, hold on.
One moment, folks. He's being very cunning. He is. Mm -hmm. As I was saying, Bartimaeus made that for Nathaniel to have done all of what he did mm -hmm. would have taken an adult to do all of this. Yep. And someone who has been skilled enough to do all of this, which normally comes from much older than Nathaniel, which because knowing Nathaniel that we do as we do so far, Nathaniel is a quick learner. Yep. Nathaniel has been obsessing over demons and summonings and getting into being a summoner type magician. Yep. But who say that he and he did a lot of things in his spare time as well. Who's to say he didn't pick up a couple extra things along the way, maybe snuck a few pages of the more advanced reading materials here and there well, behind master's back we're also showing nathaniel painted in a light of being essentially a sponge when it comes to knowledge specifically around magics mm -hmm. he takes that information mm -hmm. one second bless you thank you uh he takes that information and he absorbs it he soaks it in and he sits on it and he mm -hmm. does learn really really quickly um mm -hmm. so there is the absolute possibility that he is learning well above what he's supposed to be learning potentially with his master's blessing maybe or maybe not we don't know it depends on how quick he's mastering a lot of these tricks and these tools mm -hmm. but there is the possibility that he is and he is such a good student that he is studying more advanced things Mm -hmm. without a problem yeah but there there is a difference between studying and knowing the theory and being able to do it practically like there was talk about stamina and stuff to be able to do it so nathaniel's not a... nathaniel's a he's smart not very hardy kid. he's a smart kid though he's got brains which means he can understand concepts he, he's got the brains mm -hmm. to understand the concepts that not a lot of people would mm-hmm so on a D&D character sheet Nathaniel as a magician he would have high intelligence his int was and... not a dump stat nope he also has high wisdom because he understands the uh everything that goes on into this thing so he has high wisdom high intelligence however it is not specified as to how high his constitution is constitution strength and dex one mm -hmm. of those may have been his dump stat yeah and like bartimaeus said it takes a lot of stamina a lot of effort yep. and a lot of willpower much more common in adults yep. so what the fuck did nathaniel do to strengthen those aspects that he was previously weaker in if you look on a DD character sheet you have three traits that are specifically physical traits and you have three traits that are specifically mm -hmm. mental traits and it looks like he's dumped all of his stat points into the mental traits yeah because he's got As like most mm -hmm. magicians would do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. high wisdom high intelligence high charisma that being said as much as bartimaeus is annoyed with nathaniel i don't think he hates him because he has actually been, he has it has actually been shown that he's concerned about him in his own way which means there's a potential for connection there 
Mm-hmm. He's also impressed yes. by the skill level as well. I think I think we're going to see a connection and a partnership between the two later on in the book. I really do. Like a, a decent working relationship. I mean, we got another, like, what, 34 chapters to find that out. 34? Well, we're, what, chapter 10 now? Uh, yeah, we're about to hit up chapter 11. Yeah, so this book has 44 chapters in it. So we have another 34 <laughs> chapters to go. I think we're going to see a decent working relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, because we all know that within a story, there has to be some sort of inciting incident that causes kind of a change in attitude or a change in the the pace, right? The a change in the pace of the story, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. leads to better uh, things more like it basically leads to the action portion of the story, if that makes sense. The climax. Mm-hmm. Leading up to the climax. Not quite the climax. Mm-hmm. The, 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 rise. the rise. The rise. The rise. Thank you. Yes. There, there has to be something that changes the status quo in order to get there. So going on the assumption that maybe we have a working relationship with these two, maybe something happens to Nathaniel and Bartimaeus sees red for a moment. Maybe. Sorry, I'm theorizing about further chapters, and yeah. I don't have enough information, but like I said, I, I kind of want to see where this goes. All I know is it's going to be bad because he's looking for Nathaniel's name. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing. He'll be fine, provided that the worst-case scenario does happen, and it turns out that Mrs. Underwood is no longer around, because Mrs. Underwood and his teacher are the only ones that say nathaniel's name and the teacher would have no business being there that early it sounds like her classes are done in the afternoon yeah mm-hmm. or so, in the early afternoon at least or in the early afternoon and it's like daybreak right now hmm. yeah and um he did make note of a uh a brand new set of flowers there which yep. on one hand would hint that Mrs. Underwood is still there. On the other, if we are continuing on the route, and if it does turn out she's no longer around, maybe he maybe he had started doing that on his own as Continued a way to remember her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he mentioned a very particular detail about the vase. So it was cracked. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that so if we're using the vase so working into storytelling dipping into storytelling mechanics for a moment because there are certain things that you use to represent other things uh, specifically mm-hmm. in a literary aspect such as a thunderstorm or a rainstorm outside signifies trouble within the story itself you know coming mm-hmm. storm or something just going completely off the wall we have a connection between mrs underwood and that vase they made a very distinct connection they pointed that out very heavily they made a point of mentioning that specifically mm-hmm. did did the now quick question now adhd brain did not focus on that detail did they say what the vase was made of one, one moment let me scroll back because uh, that would have been what chapter nine yeah, either chapter 9 or chapter 8. Didn't either, they just mention it? They just mentioned the vase. Yeah, they so. mentioned... Yeah, he did just mention the vase in this chapter. Hold on but they w- they originally mentioned the vase in another chapter. Give me one second. 
Because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's glass. Okay. So yeah, I was going to say if it was made of like clay or something like that, then mm-hmm. if we go off the theory that it represents her, then there is a possibility that uh, Mrs. Underwood could be a humunculus. Could be. Or a golem. Could be. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We also, like you said, it was mentioned that there's a crack in that vase, which means there's some mm-hmm. sort of damage that's happened there or some sort of imperfection or some sort of wear and tear that's happened, which could then mm-hmm. be, we could take that and we could impose that on Mrs. Underwood. We just don't know what's happened, but we know something's happened to her, which leads mm-hmm. to the idea that this is how he remembers her or this is a tradition that he's carried on. Mm-hmm. It could yeah. also just, if she is alive, the crack could represent uh, how she treats Nathaniel, because it's considered not correct by magician standards. Or mm-hmm. there's been a crack in their relationship somehow. Mm. Yeah. So. I don't think she would, like, bring him fresh flowers and he would keep them, though, if there was a crack in their relationship. Maybe he's remembering a uh, time when he was younger when things were a little more pleasant. Mm. So things that we know. Demons can be summoned at will. Magicians exert Mm -hmm. their will on the demon in order to get what they need. That being said, they do Mm -hmm. still have magical powers. Mm -hmm. We know that there are seven different perceivable uh, layers or planes. We know that the Amulet of Samarkand shows up on all seven and that it is an extremely powerful item, but we do not know what it does. Mm-hmm. We know that it was originally Simon Lovelace's, who has a blonde fucking gold digger mm-hmm. uh, looking into him, might not necessarily be human. The amulet was originally his, and for some reason, mm-hmm. Nathaniel, who is Mr. Uh, who is uh, Underwood's uh, protege, decided to go steal this amulet and put it in Underwood's study. Yep. With the explicit instruction, don't let anybody see you. You need to hide it so my master doesn't know it's there. You need to hide it from him. Nobody can see you doing this or in going into or out of the room, and then you are going to quietly come back to me, which means he is trying to frame his master for something. Yep. You know what, if if Underwood has ADHD, though, this could work really, really well. Because think about it, if we don't see something, we don't we forget it exists for, like, months, if not years. Oh, yeah. Like, example, this journal. Yep. When I was, uh, for, for those that have been sticking with us throughout the Twitch stream, uh, mentioned this earlier but for those in the podcast in a previous episode when i first mentioned this uh it is a uh blank notebook themed of game of thrones mm-hmm. house stark it even comes with a really nice animal pen for house stark and i was going through some of my things to try to condense things down and whatnot get rid of shit whatever clean it, clean things up in the apartment when I came across this, still within its packaging, barcode and all. And I don't remember when I bought this. I just remember it was Barnes & Noble. So I think this is a good place to leave this chapter off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one more chapter to get through. And I have yep. just over an hour. So um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, how many pages? Ten. Is chapter eleven. Ten. Okay. At least on, so, my, on my version, we should be able to. It might uh, be close, but we should be able to get through it. So, we want to take a moment to thank you guys for joining us on episode twenty-six of the Idiot Book Nook and chapter ten mm -hmm. of the Amulet of Samarkand, the first book in the Bartimaeus trilogy. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can follow Lady Punnett at uh, lanktr.ee slash paulina.avalon. You can follow The Reading Dragon at lanktr.ee slash The Reading Dragon. And you can follow myself at lanktr.ee slash blazewing2010. If you would like to take a look at our podcast feed and or leave us a voice message for a viewer or listener feedback episode, you are more than welcome to it. Anchor.fm slash idiot-book-nook. And if you would like to take a look at our website, we are listed at idiotbooknook.wordpress.com. For episode 26 of the Idiot Book Nook, I'm Blazewing. And I am the Reading Dragon. I'm Lady Punnett. And we'll see you in episode 27.